Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo, the director of AGLCA. Today, we're going to cover the portion of the Great Loop route that takes you from New York City into the Erie Canal. So basically, that's the portion of the route that takes you on the Hudson River. So um, I am actually going to be serving the role more or less as the guest today. And Karen Nettles from the Homeport crew is going to be interviewing me about what you can expect in that particular portion. Um, but as always, before we start, I do want to take a moment to recognize and to thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Great Loop Yacht Sales, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And with that out of the way, Karen Nettles, thanks for joining me again. Appreciate you being here. Oh, I'm always happy to be on the podcast. Yeah, and it's always uh, nice to have you here because um, it gets a, a little bit of a chance for our listeners to hear more from the Homeport crew besides just me. So um, let's go ahead and get started. Okay, you said about the Hudson River Valley. So why don't you start with giving us an overview of the area? Yeah, so um, as I kind of said in the intro, this is the portion of the Great Loop that takes you, um, you leave New York City on the Hudson River, um, you work your way northward from there. Um, it's really a very stunningly beautiful cruising area, and you're in for just about an instantaneous almost change in the scenery. Um, as you cruise up the, uh, you know, on the banks of Manhattan, you see the skyscrapers. Um, on our great loop, we left from Liberty Landing Marina, which is an AGLCA sponsor. So that's on the New Jersey side. And as we headed up the Hudson River, we had, um, of course, the island of Manhattan on our starboard side. And once you get past all of the busyness and the the, the hustle and bustle and all of the buildings that you can see, it pretty dramatically changes and pretty quickly to just kind of the mountainous region of the Hudson River Valley. The Hudson River is tidal in this area. So um, in technical standards, it is actually an estuary in this area, as most rivers are where they meet the ocean. But the Hudson is a little bit different because it stays tidal and therefore stays an estuary pretty much all the way up to Troy, New York, which is about as far as most loopers are going on the Hudson if they're going to turn into the Erie Canal. Um, not far from Troy. So that's kind of an overview of what it's like, you know, what the overall cruising picture in that area is. It's pretty easy to navigate, uh, lots of deep water. It's also a, a fjord, um, so deep water with mountains on the sides. So really not too many navigation challenges, which is part of what makes this such a lovely cruising area. About 150 miles or so that loopers will take on the Hudson River from Manhattan on up to the start of the Erie Canal. Well, speaking of leaving Manhattan, what can you what can they expect as they do leave New York City? Yeah, you know, I kind of mentioned the immediate change that you see. One of kind of the landmarks that you'll see um, after you're finished kind of gawking over all of the buildings of New York City and all that you can see along the waterfront there. Um, you know, you'll also notice how many skyscrapers there actually also are on the New Jersey side. Um, but then when you get to the George Washington Bridge, that's almost, you know, to me, kind of the indicator that you're getting to the end of the island of Manhattan, and you're going to start to see some of those mountains of the Hudson River Valley. 
Um, a lot of people don't realize that uh, right at the base of the George Washington Bridge, there is a little red lighthouse. And there was actually a children's story written about that lighthouse back in the 1940s. So if you're familiar with that story, um, that's kind of something to be on the lookout for as well. But I actually grew up um, not far out of New York City, but far enough outside New York City. So you were um, kind of in the Hudson River Valley. So the mountains around and things like that. And I have probably crossed the George Washington Bridge hundreds, if not thousands of times in my life and never knew about the little red lighthouse under there. Um, heard the story after I, long after I had moved out of that area and um, saw it for the first time as we were cruising underneath the George Washington Bridge on our way out of New York City on the loop. So kind of a landmark for some. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I've never heard of the little story about the red lighthouse. Yeah, it's, it's something to, to research for sure. Yeah. So what is the typical first stop for loopers outside of New York City? Yeah. So like I said, we left from Liberty Landing State Park, which is pretty typical. If you happen to stay on the Manhattan side, um, the distance is going to be probably about the same for your first day. Um, ours was 38 miles, and that was from Liberty Landing to Half Moon Bay, which is an AGLCA sponsor in Croton on Hudson. Or you can also pick another AGLCA sponsor, which is the Cortland Yacht Club. Um, they are in Cortland, which is it's just about five miles, maybe even if that further than Half Moon Bay. So really two good choices. Um, and that's a very typical first stop. Loopers tend to plan their uh, itinerary based on rough, 50 miles a day. And there's a couple of other options in that immediate area. Um, so some may choose to go a little bit further than that. 38 is a short-ish day um, for many, but those are uh, two great marinas there that I mentioned. So it's a good first stop outside of New York City. All right. So tell us a little more about those options and how should loopers make that decision on what they want to do? Yeah, it's a really tough call. And we actually um, spent some time at both so um, because they're both sponsors and because we wanted to be able to guide people to what might be the right choice for them, everybody's style is different. Um, you know, everybody picks something different. Um, Croton on Hudson, that is Half Moon Bay Marina. Definitely uh, more things to walk to from there. So you're arriving typically without ground, ground transportation. Um, there is a grocery store within walking distance. And if you are up for a little bit of a longer walk, um, you can walk into town where there are several restaurants, a really good ice cream place, and a really nice coffee shop that was just a good kind of um, place to spend an afternoon working rather than on the boat. I will warn you, as I said, it's a little bit of a hillier. Um, I don't want to say mountains because it's not mountains by like the Rocky Mountain standards, um, but you are kind of in the foothills of, of a mount mountains here. Uh, so walking from Half Moon Bay up to town is an uphill walk. Um, so you're going to start to get in really good shape if you enjoy walking around these towns because you are definitely going to start hitting some hills. Um, Half Moon Bay also has really easy transportation, public transportation into New York City. You know, at this point, you're only 30, or mi 30 miles or so outside of the city. So you're really still in a New York City suburb and there is still good public transportation if you haven't finished exploring all of the sites there. Um, so that's another point that you know can entice you into this area there's also an enterprise rental car not too far from half moon bay we took advantage of that um, because there was a lot in this area that we wanted to see and do that was not necessarily walkable um, so taking advantage of a rental car is also 
a really good idea and is very convenient from that location. Um, on the other hand, Cortland Yacht Club has uh, kind of some amenities on site. Depending on when you arrive, they do have a pool. Um, the pool is only open on weekends up until when school closes in the area, which is usually mid to late June. So if you're there in May, like we were, um, the pool is open on the weekends and the restaurant is open on weekends. Not quite as much to walk to in the town, although there are some restaurants that are walkable um, and some some really interesting history there, some Revolutionary War history. You'll see the plaques on the side of the road. Um, really delightful members at the Yacht Club who just could not have been more hospitable to us. Um, so that was also a good choice. Um, we were fortunate to have stayed at both. Uh, the rental car in this area, as I said, for us was a big deal. It allowed us to see many of the things that we would on subsequent cruising days be cruising right by, but there is not really opportunities to stop at all of them or some of them, you know, there is no marina or place to tie up any place nearby. So having a car in this area, if you're interested in exploring some of these things, um, and I'll go over what some of those things are, um, but we really enjoyed having that and having access to that. So that may be something you want to consider while you're making your decisions as you're cruising up the Hudson River. Oh, that sounds like there's a lot of options to consider. And I know when y'all were in the area, this next cruising day was one of your favorites. So you want to tell us why? You know, I, I think it was the scenic beauty of the Hudson is just absolutely amazing. And some of the things that you can see from the waterway are also really amazing and historic. This next cruising day was actually, we cruised past many of the things that we had driven to taking advantage of having a rental car. Um, so first and foremost, um, then this cruising day, um, as you leave Croton on Hudson or as you leave Cortland, you are going, for us, it was 50 mile day to Kingston, New York. Um, and one of the first things we passed was the US Military Academy at West Point. And that is one of the specific reasons we had rented a car so that we could get there and tour West Point. Uh, really amazing tour, um, obviously very historic, but also current facility. So um, seeing some of the history at the Academy as well as some of what they're building was pretty amazing. Um, the scenery there is beautiful, but there are also lots of monuments. Uh, we took, uh, there's a visitor center with the museum and you can visit the museum anytime without a ticket. You can just walk right in. Uh, but they also have a few vendors who are approved to give bus tours of the actual academy grounds. Um, so we did both of those things. And the bus tour allows you to spend a pretty good amount of time in the cemetery. And they share some stories of some of the heroes that are buried there, some very historic figures and some less known, but with really fascinating stories. Um, we got to visit the cadet chapel, uh, both the original chapel and the current chapel. Um, and then there is also an area where there is a length of really enormous um, chain. And the history behind that chain is that during the revolution, the cadets at West Point stretched the chain across the Hudson River in an effort to stop the British boats from going any further up the river. Um, so just, you know, some history, some legend, uh, some really amazing sites there at West Point. And it's mixed with that history is mixed on the tour with some of the new. Um, one of the biggest buildings they were building at West Point was completely going to house um, cyber intel and cyber security type training. Um, so it was just a really fascinating mix of current technology along with 
that amazing U.S. history. So West Point, I would say, is definitely a do not miss when you are on the Great Loop. Depending on the time you arrive, um, we were there, happened to be coming through uh, when we had our rental car. I believe it was a weekend, um, but it was also after the semester had ended, so it was pretty quiet on campus. I am told that on some Fridays in earlier May than we were there, there are some cadet parades on the parade ground. We got to see the parade ground, but as I said, it was pretty quiet, not a whole lot going on, but the parade ground is lined with historic statues. So still interesting to see, but I think seeing a, a parade of cadets um, would be a really once in a lifetime kind of experience. So definitely check out um, West Point on your way through. Um, another thing that you'll pass on the waterway on this particular day of cruising is Bannerman Castle. Um, and that was another place that we visited um, by car, sort of. <laughs> Let me explain that. Um, Bannerman's Castle is actually on an island. It's called Polypel Island, but it's also probably better known as Bannerman Island. Um, but you cannot take your own boat to Bannerman Island. So if you want to tour that, you do need to be... Um, Gosh, and off the top of my head, I'm not remembering the name of the little town right there. Um, but you do have to go shoreside and take the tour boat over to the island, which is great because you hear some of the history there as well. Um, but Bannerman Castle was built by the Bannerman family. They were kind of um, an early Army Navy surplus type store, for lack of a better description of it. And after um, some of the, the early U.S. warfare, um, the Spanish-American War, I think, in particular, there were a lot of surplus munitions. And the Bannerman family bought those um, and very quickly were told, you, you can't store those in the middle of Brooklyn, New York, which is where their warehouse was for their other surplus goods. So they bought this island a little bit up the Hudson River, built what they called their castle there, to store the munitions. There's not really a whole lot left of the castle, which is part of what makes it interesting to see, but it still clearly looks like the remnants of a castle. Um, the reason there is not much left, uh, the the guides told us that it was basically um, probably not constructed real well, and that a lot of the metal reinforcements that would typically be used for building a structure such as this were substituted for whatever they had on hand, which in you know an archeological type um, investigation of the castle, they found things like uh, swords and bed frames being used for the metal reinforcement of the structure. Obviously not quite up to today's <laughs> building standards, but they put their um, gunpowder in there, built a house on the island. And um, at one point, I believe in the, gosh, I won't remember the date now, um, around the 1930s or 40s, I believe the gunpowder did actually ignite and explode, which is part of what left led to the destruction of the castle. Um, and further on in history, around the 1970s, there was a fire that took days to put out of what was left there at the island. Um, so there's not much, the, the, not much more than just a wall there anymore. Um, the re remnants of the house, though, are also there. So that was pretty interesting to see. As you're coming towards um, Polypal Island, Bannerman Castle on the loop, um, the castle that's remaining that you can really see from the water is on the far side of this island as you approach it. So if you don't take the time to do the actual tour um, where, where you would probably have to travel by car to get to the tour boat, make sure you turn around and look back because as I said, it's on the far side of the island as you're, you're coming. The island is on your uh, starboard side as you're on the loop. And if you don't look back at it, you'll completely miss that the castle's there, but it's just another really interesting piece of the history of this area and certainly something unique that you don't see every day on the loop. 
Um, so that's just a couple of them. Um, there's a couple more though. Why don't we take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors? And then I'll kind of continue with some of the other things you see in this 50 mile stretch um, between Half Moon Bay and Kingston, New York. Sound okay? Yep, sounds good. Okay, perfect. We'll be back in a moment. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by Skipper Bob guides? Its mile-by-mile -mile format is a great planning tool and essential at the helm. On the most popular routes and side trips, Skipper Bob covers preparation, navigation, bridges and locks, and the best places to visit. Skipper Bob guides are updated each year, and its website keeps you current with navigation alerts and cruising news. To check it out, go to skipperbob.net. Skipper Bob is a proud Admiral Sponsor of AGLCA. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by both the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob? Use them to plan your Great Loop cruise and learn about the places you can visit. In the cockpit, important navigation info is always ready at your side, plus marina listings, anchorages, services, and so much more. Each Skipper Bob and Waterway Guide is updated yearly and waterwayguide.com and skipperbob.net keep you current with navigation alerts, cruising news, fuel prices, and special deals. With the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob at the helm, you'll always be on course. Order yours today at the AGLCA ship store at greatloop.org. Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob are proud sponsors at the Admiral level with AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. Today we're covering the section of the Great Loop that takes you up the Hudson River. Uh, Karen Nettles from the Homeport Crew is with me. And uh, we left off, I was just kind of filling in on one of my favorite days of cruising. And part of the reason it was a favorite is that we were seeing from the water many of the things that we had specifically taken the time and effort and expense to rent a car to go see. Um, so I guess I left off at Bannerman Castle. Yeah, right. Um, a, yep. A couple of the other things that you will see from the water are the Culinary Institute of America. Um, this is where some of the nation's top chefs are trained, and it has been ranked by our members as one of the top restaurants on the Great Loop. Um, there are actually a few restaurants on the campus there, uh, and there are a few marinas that are closer than the ones we had selected, but just in, in planning our days, um, this is the way it worked out. Definitely uh, get reservations at the Culinary Institute ahead of time. They get pretty booked up, um, but the meals are prepared and served by the students. So our servers um, were students who often spent most of their time in the back of the house, in the kitchen, um, preparing the food. But as part of their training, they have to do some rotations as servers. So they kind of see from the guest's perspective in the front of the house how restaurants work. Um and it was, it was pretty funny to see some of them a little bit nervous when we knew that they knew how to cook all of this food, but serving it was something more out of their comfort zone. Um, but a delicious meal. Uh, Michael and I just went, um, the two of us, but many loopers will kind of make reservations in advance for a larger group. Um, that's a little bit challenging to do because you don't know far in advance how many people might be with you. So we had just made a reservation for two. Um, and while we were sitting there, several other loopers, all in parties of two, um, mm -hmm. filed in. So we saw people that we hadn't seen um, even since we were in the Keys. So it was a lot of fun to catch up with them and also have a fabulous meal there at the Culinary Institute. Um, it is up on a hill. It is actually, I believe, was once a seminary, um, but it looks, the, the main building looks like an old mansion or a college. Um, so you'll see that on the riverbanks. 
Um, there's also a walkway across the Hudson in this area, which we did take the time to walk across it. It's actually an old railroad bridge that's been converted to a pedestrian and um, bike path, basically. Um, I think the entire stretch is about a mile across at that point, but you can walk out onto the bridge. Um, so we crossed under the bridge on this cruising day. And then as you get closer to Kingston, you will see some of the beautiful lighthouses on the Hudson River. Um, great photo opportunity for those if you're a lighthouse person. Um, some of them can be toured from Kingston. Um, those tours are infrequent. So if that's something that you're really interested in seeing, be sure to check out the dates for the tours and try to arrange your travel um, to be near them. But the Espus Lighthouse is in this area um, and the Rondout Lighthouse, which actually marks the entrance to Rondout Creek, which takes you into Kingston. Uh, but just a beautiful, and part of it was just, it was a beautiful cruising day, um, weather-wise, cruising conditions-wise. As I said, not a whole lot of navigational challenges on um, the Hudson River. So it was really just a beautiful day of, of looking at the things that we had already toured and just enjoying a day on the water. So that was a 50 mile run um, and we arrived in Kingston. So what was your next stop, Kingston, and where do you recommend tying up? So Kingston, uh, as I said, it's on Rondout Creek. Uh, we tied up at the Maritime Museum Um there's a dock right there that you can uh, tie at and, and they offer transient slips. Uh, we found that to really be in the heart of everything in Kingston, New York. Um, and just a reminder that there is a Kingston, Ontario on the loop. This is Kingston, New York. We're not far enough to get to Canada yet. Um, but in Kingston, New York, Maritime Museum, to us, you know, we we tend to pick our dockage based on what is it's easiest to walk to other sites and things like that. So there were several other loopers there at the Maritime Museum, um, but there are a few other docks uh, further up the creek. Um, and those are also walkable into town. We just found the Maritime Museum to be the closest. So that's why we picked it. Okay. Well, what are some of the highlights of Kingston? Yeah, Kingston is really a beautiful little town. Um, you know, I would say worth a night or two for sure, um, depending on what time you get in. I, I would definitely set aside a little bit of time to explore. Um, you are definitely walking uphill now <laughs> to get to a lot of the things um, and a lot of the homes. And, you know, if you just are somebody who, like me, likes to just get out and walk around and see the town, lots of hills on this town. Um, but the Maritime Museum itself is really uh, well done and really interesting definitely worth the time to walk through there. And if you've tied up at their dock, you're right there. But they, in addition to the museum itself, um, they have a boat building workshop facility where there was a lot of activity going on. And just down the street, there is um, kind of a trolley museum. So they have a trolley that runs on an old track between the Maritime Museum and the trolley museum. And they have just all kinds of buses <laughs> at this museum. So if that kind of transportation stuff is something you like, um, definitely visit those museums. Um, also along the waterfront was Savannah's restaurant. The big draw there, and, and this could have changed, this was about a year ago we were there, but the big draw at Savannah's is that they would give a happy hour app free appetizer per person. Um, so for loopers, that's a great deal. A lot of us, you know, can, can exist on just an appetizer <laughs> for dinner. Um, so it became a pretty popular place. And, and we ran into some loopers there again that we hadn't seen since the Keys. Um, so it was it was a fun stop in Savannah's. The food was great. Um, and they certainly had some great happy hour deals. But in addition to that, 
Um, that was along the waterfront. If you do walk up into town, um, there is a donut shop that is absolutely delicious. They make the donuts while you wait. Um, and they had really good coffee too, and some other treats. I think we stopped there a few too many times. <laughs> um, and including the morning we were leaving, we kind of timed departure around when does the donut shot open. Um, <laughs> so they were really good. And a couple of other good restaurants. We ate in an Italian place that was great. But, um, you know, certainly a town with enough to do uh, that's staying there for a day or two makes it worthwhile. So we enjoyed our, our stop at Kingston. Um, and, you know, we're hopeful that a lot of the loopers coming up this year, and, and we're doing this at this time of year, because this is where lots of loopers are headed right now. Um, hopefully they can enjoy some time in this stretch of the Hudson River, too. But uh, one more cruising day, I guess we had. Um, yeah, where did you go next? So our, our last, well, our last full cruising day um, on the Hudson River went from Kingston to Shady Harbor Marina. Um, Shady Harbor is also an AGLCA sponsor. They are about 40 miles further north than Kingston. So again, a good day's cruise, a good, a nice stop. Not a whole lot between the two, um, but again, easy cruising, no, no significant navigational challenges while we were there. Um, Shady Harbor Marina has an annual pig roast as kind of a customer appreciation day. It's really grown to a full weekend where they invite loopers to come and enjoy the pig roast and enjoy activities throughout the weekend. Um, we had actually driven to that event when we had the rental car when we were back at Half Moon Bay because we really <laughs> wanted to be there, but felt that we were rushing to get the boat there because of all the other things we wanted to see along the Hudson. So those are the kind of trade-offs you're going to find yourself making when there's a schedule involved. Um, you know, we knew the Shady Harbor pig roast weekend. Um, we had intended to take the boat and, and quickly figured out if we did, we'd miss West Point and we would miss touring um, Bannerman Castle and dinner at the Culinary Institute. So those are the kind of trade-offs you'll make. Um, but definitely if you can time your arrival at Shady Harbor for the pig roast. It is a fabulous time. But the restaurant they have on site that's opened anyway um, at Shady Harbor is phenomenal. Really, really good food. Great bar. Um, it is run by Brian and Kathy Donovan. They own and run the marina and Kathy runs the restaurant. Um, the chef is top notch and I highly recommend stopping at Shady Harbor for the, the marina itself, but also for the restaurant. And they do have a courtesy car, which has really become less and less common as time has gone by. Um, but Shady Harbor has one. And so there's not a grocery or anything like that in walking distance, but you can take their um, take their courtesy car. And I was able, even able to take their courtesy car to drive Michael to an airport because he had to fly out. So it made it a super convenient stop for us. Um, like I said, 40 miles from, or 41 from Kingston to Shady Harbor. So, um, and uh, Shady Harbor's town is New Baltimore, if you're looking for a little bit of a reference point there. Um, but it's a very small town, so that's probably not going to help you a whole lot if you're trying to figure out geographically where we're talking about. Okay. And then finally, uh, what was the waterway like from Shady Harbor to Waterford? Yeah. So the last stretch on the Hudson River for those that are turning into the Erie Canal is this stretch. It's about 25 miles from Shady Harbor to Waterford. It's actually nice that that's a short day. And here's why. Waterford is the start of the Erie Canal and they have a free wall that you can tie to overnight at Waterford. Um, so the fact that it's a short day means that if you leave Shady Harbor pr pretty early, you will arrive at Waterford pretty early. Um, and there is a better chance that there will still be room on that free wall. 
Um, Nebo, our app that members use to find each other, is a great way to check in and uh, you know see if there's already a looper at the wall that can tell you if there's still space. Um, we rarely, if ever, found that there was not enough space at one of the free walls, but Waterford was the first of those. So we got a fairly early start from Shady Harbor. Um, pretty uneventful. You will go through Albany, which is the first city that you've seen since New York City, really, of you know any size. Um, and the Troy downtown marina, which is in this area too, just before Waterford, is an AGLCA sponsor. Um, and that is a great place to tie up if you don't want to worry about the free wall or if it's already full. Um, you can stay at Troy and then enter the Erie Canal in Waterford the next morning. One thing I will point out is there the federal lock at Troy, New York, is the first lock you're going to go through in quite some time. If you did not do the Dismal Swamp as you were crossing from North Carolina into Virginia, that is an, a route choice that has some locks. Um, you, you may not have seen a lock in quite some time. For me, this lock, lock caught me completely by surprise. That's on me, 100%. <laughs> um, but because I, it caught me by surprise, I was not prepared for it. I was expecting to turn into what is considered the Erie Canal at Waterford before we hit the first lock. The first lock is actually at Troy, and it's on the Hudson River. Um, so be ready for that. Um, and that is really, I wouldn't even call it a navigational challenge. This is not a highly commercial area, so there was no wait to go through the lock. I think there was only one other boat in there with us. But it's just something to know that's coming. And especially if, depending on where you started the loop, either if you haven't done a lock yet, or if it's been quite a while since you've done a lock, you may not have all your locking stuff ready to go. You know, your boat hook, your all of your extra fenders, your gloves, the things that you need for locking. It's never good in my world for a lock to catch me by surprise. And that snowballed for me in this lock. <laughs> um, so just be ready for it. You'll arrive in Waterford. Um, you will see the kind of um, iconic blue sign that points you to the left to go into the Erie Canal and points you to the right to go towards the Lake Champlain and the Champlain Canal. Those are your two route choices. Um, if you can clear 17-foot bridges, you can continue on to the Champlain Canal. Um, loopers who can't clear that or loopers who want to do parts of the Erie will turn into the Erie Canal. Uh, we tied up at Waterford. It was late morning when we arrived since it was a short run, and there was a farmer's market going on with live music. Um, the town is a sponsor, the Waterford Visitor Center, um, and that is where you can tie up and um, stay there at the wall at the Visitor Center. So that is the point where you are then ready to um, take on the Erie Canal. So from uh, the wall there at Waterford, you can walk up to the first lock. You can see it. You can you know stand above it and, and look down at it. You can also take a longer walk to, um, there are falls nearby. When I say nearby, that's relative. This was one of my longer walks on the, the loop, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's about three miles to the falls. And then of course you have to walk back. Um, but it was really interesting to see. And the folks in the visitor center had kind of presented it to me as the falls were the problem and the canal is the solution that let boats actually navigate through here, you know, without the canal, but the, the falls were the bottleneck in the river that nobody could then navigate. So the, huh. the canal was built to bypass those falls. And at Waterford, um, it is a flight of 
I want to say six locks. I could be a little off on that number. Um, a flight of locks just means that's a series of locks with very small distance between them. That's just raising you incrementally up like a flight of stairs would. Um, so lots of history. Waterford has lots of statues of um, the horses and donkeys that initially would pull boats through the canal um, with ropes. Uh, they were really just barges at that point, not actually boats. Um, you know, and the, the Erie Canal is something that I think we all learned about as children in our early grade school. So um, another historic area. And um, we will definitely cover the Erie Canal in another podcast um, today. I just wanted to take on the Hudson. Um, it really was one of my favorite overall areas of the Great Loop was the Hudson. So as loopers are headed there, I hope this is going to give you some ideas for this season or future seasons. We did um, around this time last year cover, did do a podcast on visiting New York City by boat. So if some of you are in New York City or headed to New York City, uh, you can look for that podcast in our archives too. But um, this was the next the next piece of the route, taking you from New York City up to the start of the New York Canal. So um, anything well, I left sounds, out, Karen? Uh, I'm sure you covered it. I just know that <laughs> loopers going that way are probably going to look forward to everything that they can see and do along the way, because it does seem like it's a very beautiful area and historic and everything. It is. And actually, a couple of resources I can point those who are interested to um our youtube channel is youtube.com slash great loop there's a playlist there of cruising information and that will show you um you can you know scroll through to the particular legs of the great loop that we just discussed um and that would be you know new york city to or i guess it's labeled liberty landing to the hudson river valley hudson river valley to kingston kingston to shady harbor and shady harbor to waterford so those um four legs i guess it is um, you can watch each one, and there is a flyover of our boat's GPX track interspersed with videos of some of these areas. So you can see West Point from the water, and you can see Bannerman Castle from the water as we were going by it, and some of the lighthouses. Um, and then another playlist is our Great Loop Lifestyle playlist, and there is a video on there about um, the Hudson River Valley and some of those places we toured by car, and there is a video there about Kingston as well. So if you want more information on this area, those are free resources on our YouTube channel. For our members in the Great Loop route menu on our website, there is a segments area. Just go to the New York to Ontario, or I'm sorry, New York to Lake Ontario segment, and you will see details about each of these segments and the associated um, videos resources, everything else that you might need to know about this particular area. So a few places to go for more information. And with that, I think we've covered it. So uh, Karen Nettles with the Homeport crew, thanks for joining me once again. I appreciate it. Quite welcome. And thanks to everyone who has watched or listened this week. We'll be back next time with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. <laughs>